Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. Today is Tuesday, April the 11th, 2023. My name is Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny. And glad you joined us for this episode in which we'll take a look back at um, last week's text and theme and bring a couple of resources to help you continue to think correctly, properly, uh, and deeply about uh, Passion Week. You know, last uh, Sunday was Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And so on the Extra Point podcast, we always look back and add some further insight, observation, application to that week's text or theme. We'll do that again this week by bringing you some resources to help you uh, with that very theme. And then I'll answer a simple question that came in this week and I think will be helpful to all of us as well. So on to the two resources to help you think deeply, correctly, continuously about what really we celebrate on a weekly basis, and that is the resurrection. I think two resources that have been very helpful to me in thinking through Passion Week. In fact, I try to read through one of them every single year during Passion Week, Uh, and I'll mention it first. It's called The Final Days of Jesus, and the author is Andreas Kostenberger. I think you'll find this book very helpful. What he does in this book is walk you through the last week of the life of Jesus. He does, in the book, of course, list the various passages uh, where each event is discussed, beginning with Palm Sunday, going through the resurrection. It's a somewhat scholarly approach to the days um, in which he discusses the events that happened historically. There is a commentary section And he brings some different applications, maybe even you could call them meditations. Uh, But I love the book because it does walk us in a chronological fashion through this very important week. And so Andreas Kostenberger's book, The Final Days of Jesus, uh, is a fantastic resource, especially to be read and studied during Holy Week or Passion Week. I think I may have mentioned this book before in a sermon or perhaps in a previous conversation, class, or podcast, I'm not sure, but it's not new to First Family, uh, but there are many of folks who may not have heard it yet, and I would highly recommend as a first resource during Holy Week is the book The Final Days of Jesus by Andreas Kostenberger. Another book that I have really enjoyed for a number of years now, it's uh, not a new book, but it's a book by Stephen Kingsley. K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y, Stephen Kingsley, and the book is called The Easter Answer. You can find this one on Amazon as well, just as you could the last one. Um, The Easter Answer is subtitled with this simple phrase, what happened during the 40 days between Easter and the Ascension. And what I think um, Stephen does in in a really neat fashion is he harmonizes Uh, the four Gospels, in a way that actually puts specific time frames to things, even uh, as early as the women's visit to the tomb um, and going forward with the the road to Emmaus and the walk there, uh, some things involving Galilee. He takes the whole 40-day period and tries to put actual days and times to certain events. It's a pretty fascinating short read. It's a simple paperback book. I do believe it's self-published, but I have found it very helpful, um, and I think you'll find it interesting as well. So a second resource to get the most out of Holy Week, as well as what happened in the 40 days after it, uh, would be The Easter Answer by Stephen R. Kingsley. 
Now, on to a question that I got, oh, I think a week or so ago. I think it's a very intriguing one. I don't want to just provide an answer for it. It's not personal in one sense, and yet in another sense, it does relate to something I say quite often, and they're curious why I say it the way I do. As you know, I often say, as I begin my messages, I'll say, because we believe the Word does the work. And I'll say that quite often um, before I preach, even sometimes in the message, or even just as we're in church conversations. Um, we are very uh, Word-centered as, uh, you know, uh, it's not new, of course. That's what the early church did. That's what churches should do. Um and you know, the pulpit's a real central aspect of our church, the proclamation of God's Word. And so um, I often say the Word does the work, and so let's get our Bibles out, let's get our nose in the books. Those kinds of things are said often in our church. And someone asked me, Todd, I thought it was the Holy Spirit who took the Word and did the work. And so a legitimate question. Uh, let me first of all say I'm not trying to leave out the work of the Holy Spirit. None of that's on my heart. I'm not trying to... Uh, minimize his activity at all or his power or his presence. Uh, I'm really just basing my simple phraseology on 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, it's, if I had to pick a favorite verse of the Bible, that would be it. Often in times past, folks would call that a life verse. Um, that word or that phrase, that tag is not used as much anymore. Um, but I remember uh, even as early as in college and high school, that being a verse that that really uh, stamped an imprint on my heart and life. And so I've, I have kind of adopted it as if I had to pick a favorite verse, and it's hard, by the way, and typically it changes week to week based on what you're preaching. <laughs> That's what I found sometimes. But if I had to just you know land on a singular verse that I think I would want to keep aiming my life at, it would be this verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, in which Paul expressed gratitude to those Thessalonian believers, because when they heard the word of God, they did not receive it as merely, uh, you know, just the word of some man, but they received it as what it actually was, the word of God. And then he adds this phrase at the end, which effectively works in you who believe. And so to answer the question, I simply use the phrase, it's the word that does the work, because it's how Paul used it in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I don't think Paul, likewise, was trying to minimize or, uh, you know, subtract the work of the Spirit. I think he's simply saying in that moment, in a very, um, you know, factual, succinct manner, that it's God's living Word, as Hebrews 4.12 would state, that really, uh, you know, comes in and cuts away and divides and reveals and exposes. It, it does the work um, because it's living and active and powerful. And so I just try to summarize and say that briefly before I preach often to keep us focused on the Word. Now, of course I realize, and of course we all would agree, it's the Spirit that does that in the heart of people. He takes the Word and applies it um, and does that. So I would say that that aspect of that phrase for me is assumed, and could it be more specific and even more accurate to say it's the Spirit and the Word that do the work? Sure we could. I think for succinctness and maybe for memorability, I'm content just saying it's the Word that does the work. And I do think, based on that verse in 1 Thessalonians and Hebrews 4, that is an accurate statement. It may not be all that can be said about that subject, but it is at least uh, 
what is true about that subject. And so I'm um, going to keep moving forward with just encouraging people to keep their nose in the book, uh, to keep their eyes on the text, and to make sure that it's not an issue of uh, negotiating. Uh, we don't come to the table to bargain with God. We get under the authority of the Word, and we let the Word do the work. Hope that helps provide some clarity to my reasoning as well as to what we believe at First Family about the supremacy and priority of preaching God's Word. And I trust those two resources have been a help as well as you look forward even now, not only to next Sunday in celebrating the resurrection, but also to the Passion Week of 2024.